0: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It is your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We are coming at you on a Sunday afternoon. In which we just saw the Knicks lose, um, I don't know, I guess you could use the term heartbreaker. My heart broke just a little bit as Moutier's last shot um, did not go in. uh, To the Philadelphia 76ers, and we are going to go ahead and recap this one in 20 minutes or less because... My wife has been watching our daughter for um, the entirety of this Knicks game and is about ready to either uh, divorce me or fly to Mexico, um, whichever is more cost-efficient. So, um, Jeremy Cohen, can we get in and out of this one quick and dirty? What do you think? Oh, you bet. (laughs) I know you love love quick and dirty. By the way, it's been a while since you've been on the pod. Um, I heard... Uh, sources said to me that your parents uh, grounded you. Is there any any truth to that? Uh,
1: that is correct. I did. Uh, I did in fact take cookies without asking.
0: Yeah, you, know, um, you can't do that. It's I know. Just, well, I know that now. I didn't know before.
1: I knew, but I, I didn't know. I pushed them to their limits, and got grounded. What can you say?
0: Well, I'm I'm glad um, that they have not given you up on you yet. Yeah. Um, much like David Fisdale, uh seemingly has not given up on his young team. Has that for a transition? Excellent. Um, so, yeah. So the Knicks lost by three. They lost to Philly um, in the Garden on... Um, or in a game that they at one point trailed by 24. I'm going to open it up to you. Um, of all the things that we saw today from the Knicks, and, and I think there's a lot of things that are easy to be excited about, including the how the team played without certain people present... Um, and maybe we'll touch on that. What excited you the most?
1: Uh, oh, man. It's it's almost like, where do you start? Because this whole game, there, there are three players in particular, and I'm sure we'll go over all three of them, but in Cornette, Knox, Neil Nelakina, where you, you would just watch them play, and all of a sudden, it didn't matter what the score was, and that was totally cool. And, and the better part is that it actually got close because of the way they played. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you touched upon this in the podcast. Um, Knox is a prolific scorer. This is what he's going to do. This is who he is and can be. The 31 points are great. I I just want to take a quick pessimistic or uh, step back, or at least non optimistic step back, in that I am still very concerned about the minutes he's logging. Uh, yeah, tonight 40, he 44. Today. That is, that's too much. Uh, great that he kept the Knicks in the game, but in the long run, I, I do understand that the Knicks have uh, several days off in Between their next two games because they're going to London to play Washington, so it's really one game in eight days, but I mean come on that's that's all too much
0: it is, and i you know I mean clearly fisdale is is doing kind of a trial by fire thing with him um you know I don't want to get too deep into this yet because I think the the obvious question that I ask when I see his minutes is like, all right well, why him and not, let's say, um, Frank or, well, I mean, I guess Frank would be the obvious one, but even you could, you know, you could say Dotson, you could say Trier, you could say um, Mitch, although he usually fouls out um, well before he hits the uh, upper minutes limits. Do you think it is because Knox is like giving him what he asks for in terms of just playing the way he wants him to play? Or is there something else here that we're I'm not seeing? I
1: think that's mostly it. But it's also the fact that the Knicks, especially today, did not have a lot of quality wing depth. And Knox was shooting the ball really well. And at the end of the day, you, know, you can look at it, say, 31 points on 23 shots. But that's good. That's, I'll take it. I'll take, he shot more than 50% from the field. Would you like a little bit more than four free throw attempts? Yeah. But four of nine from three, I'm very happy with his stat line today. Played well. And, you yeah, know, I mean – I'm sure we'll get into it with Frank. I'll hold off until we actually get into it, but
0: no, but let's yeah. get it, Let's get into it with right. Frank right now. Sure.
1: Let's do it. it seemed like Frank drove more than in Indy 500. <laughs>
0: race, <right? laughs> I was I, wondering I, what you were going to what analogy. I, I, I was wondering
1: videos. too, and then it kind of I just couldn't decide, and then it just came. That's good. Like yeah, it. well, thank you. Uh, you know, and, and again, you'll you might not watch this game and say, "Oh, well, he shot like crap, four of 11. But no, I mean, those last four or five shots were all just misses at the rim, he kept being aggressive every time. The point was like, dude, I'm loving it. But you could also take shots from from outside because he only had one three-point attempt. But this is exactly what we wanted, and he thrived in that role.
0: Yeah, I think that the most encouraging part of his drives um, are the fact that he was doing them without hesitation. Um, he was just going. Um, he wasn't thinking about it. He was just... The lane was there, and and he was taking what the defense gave him. Um, I I'm just I'm really excited to see this the, the the second half of the season from Frank, specifically because we obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of if they're trying to institute different things in terms of the offense um, in practices or not, but. If David Fisdale has in fact been duping us all and is trying to get this team to a place where they could um, play a more, I'll say, cohesive uh, brand of offense, Frank would seem to be the guy to do it for you. And in the first half, at least, and this is a nice transition to the other guy we have to talk about, um, I thought he found Luke Cornett several times on some nice passes um, that showed a nice connection between the two of them. Absolutely. And...
1: We've said this before. I'm going to say it again. This is no disrespect to Luke Cornette in the slightest. But there were plays that Frank and Cornette ran, and I thought to myself, man, if you just swap out Cornette for Porzingis, how much better that could be. But oh, no. Cornett's L- fairness— Listen, that's not— uh, and, and this isn't to compare the no, two. No, it's no it, on it's, him. It's just—oh, absolutely not. Cornette played an amazing game. Uh, a plus 25 and a loss. That's—even that. Even if you don't take much stock in plus-minus— that just goes to show what kind of an impact he had. But they were, they're both very smart players and they connected well and it was really nice to see that happen. So, yeah, I, I, but Cornette was fantastic. But we've seen this type of performance before. This is what he can do and it just goes to show how having someone who can defend and space the floor uh, and play that position, you know, play the five goes a long way for the Knicks.
0: Yeah, and so here's how I want to kind of frame the Cornette discussion um, because, and I said it on the, the post-game periscope, at least me, I think of it like this team as, all right, there's the five young guys, like the first or second year players who are under contract going forward, and then there's everybody else, more or less. And I, I've I've just never grouped Cornette in with Dotson, Frank, Knox, uh, Trier, and Mitch and I'm starting to wonder, like, do we need to do that? Like, is, is this a guy that it, like, is he going to be around for a while? And is that a good thing?
1: Well, I'll say this. He's the only guy of the ones that you mentioned who has a no trade clause this season.
0: <laughs> so Well played, sir.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's right that we cast out Cornette as a non-viable future piece, and yet we include Trier. And I, I know I personally have been hard on Trier. We've in the past talked about what his ceiling what his floor is but why is it that cornet's role especially with robinson i think that also diminishes what people may think of him because think of robinson as a long-term center option but cornet is an nba player absolutely in, in terms of rotation he belongs in there but yeah we should be able to start counting him as an asset going forward assuming he can be resigned
0: yeah and and i i don't know that we're at the point yet where You know, Cornette has um, priced himself out um, of the Knicks' price range uh, quite yet. I mean, I think we need to see some more. I don't know, you know, how many teams would be clamoring clamoring for him this summer. I have to think that he would um, give... The Knicks, you know, definitely a chance to to re-sign him if they wanted to do so. I mean, the obvious benefit to him is, like, if you design an offense around a 7-foot big man that can also be a deadly threat from 3, then having Cornette on your bench, a guy who's currently shooting 42% on 3, or from 3, on 3.4 attempts a game, in just 13 minutes a game, by the way. That's insane. So, per 36 minutes... Cornette is shooting, or is, sorry, is taking 8.9 threes per 36 minutes. That's nuts. My goodness. Yeah, let, let's yep. figure out a way to get this guy back here. I don't know. I like him. He's such a smart player, and I particularly like And this is There's one other guy we should talk about before we move on to just um, maybe some of the players who were not here. Um, I like the chemistry between Cornette, Frank, and Hizonia out there. Three smart players, cerebral guys, all guys who have the ability to make the right pla right play, right pass. Um, what'd you think of Mario today?
1: Liked him. Yeah, he's really come along and you touched upon this in your podcast, but the fact that he has just been much more consistent where he went from completely of a cast off or castaway, and now he's finding no, there is a role here. There's a reason why I was signed to play here. I think you also mentioned he had what, like fourteen steals in his last six games or so?
0: um it's th- yeah th- no th- well 13 in including this one his last 4 and then he had one the game before that so 14 in his last uh 5 yeah
1: yeah he's aggressive and every time we count him out he pulls us right back in and then when we get on the Mario hype train it then goes crashing yeah i you know i'm i'm hoping it's uh consistent but just for today's game did a great job and then those tr- that trio is a nice combination hopefully it can be a good matchup for the next game as well and going forward.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, people are constantly wondering about the summer and let the know,
1: summer come when the summer comes. No, nah,
0: I, I, i and listen, if, if Durant decides to come here, I mean, the summer kind of takes care of itself. Um, and it's like, all right, you got him. And then whoever wants to come on, on minimum or close to minimum contracts, it is what it is. But if Durant doesn't decide to come here, um, the Knicks are gonna have some interesting decisions to make because I, I I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm a big believer in, in continuity to a certain extent. Like you could stay together too long and get stale, like um well like the Wizards, for instance. Um but I think in for a team like the Knicks, I could see some really nice benefits to if they didn't land that big fish in this particular July, um keeping, you know, several of these players together. And maybe jettisoning, 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 jettisoning. jettisoning yeah, that's an eighth grade
1: word, but I know it.
0: Well, I teach eighth grade, thankfully. That's so, a, well, you're a good teacher, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, I would say that um, <laughs> um, jettisoning a piece or two, and I, I think I think we have to talk about this. Um, there was no Tim tonight, and obviously no Cantor, um, who was out with a apparently not burger related. Illness. Let's just clear that up, all right? Not burger-related. It was related to something other than hamburgers. We don't want to step on everybody's toes here. Um, did How much did their absence resonate with you uh, for today's game?
1: felt like a cleaner game. Even when the Knicks were down by 24 and needed offense, there's just something about it where – it felt like the shot selection, for the most part, was better. There was more passing. Trier holds the ball longer than pretty much anyone on the team, and he played the least 12 amount of
0: minutes—twelve minutes. I and that's I. I'm glad you say that because that's that's significant. A lot of criticism of Fisdale has been he's been force feeding Trier these minutes and only twelve tonight.
1: Yeah, and the Sixers, we saw it especially early on. They are second entering this game. They're second. Overall in passes made per game and it was very much of a pop philosophy of um, selflessness and it was great to watch just from as a basketball fan but I was also envious because it's like this is exactly what I want seeing guys open up opportunities just because they're dishing it out until they find the guy who has the right shot and I know that there have been some issues with Butler as he's adapted but even just watching them it's sort of thing like yeah it's it's nice to see players who don't hold on to the ball too long. And if they do, it's because they're really good at shooting it. And I feel like that that just isn't the case with the, with the Knicks.
0: Well, you could have won a lot of money today if you bet that the Knicks would have more assists than their opponent. But that is exactly what happened. The Knicks had 24 dimes. Um, the Sixers only had 22. And, like, look, 24 assists isn't – it's not a lot, But, I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than they usually do. Usually it's right around that 19, 20, 21 um, mark. (sighs) I don't know. I, you know, Timmy's a a funny one. I I know this. I know that if if Timmy and Moutier are both out there, they don't have the defensive effort over the second half of this game that they did tonight. Um, So this is, I'm going to ask you this one. If you, let's say in a hypothetical world, you could have Emmanuel Moutier for the next two years at at the room exception, so Mm -hmm. a hair under $10 million, Um, or you jettison Hardaway in a pure salary dump. You don't need to give up anything to attach to his contract. Um, Which of those two are you taking? (sighs)
1: <sighs> I think I'm taking – I'm surprised we have been saying this, but I think I'm taking the Moutier one. And the reason I'm saying not that is the right because – Yeah, and and it's not that I have this sunk cost fallacy in mind with Hardaway. I do feel like he's very much the player he's going to be. Uh, he's, he's reached that level. I think that it's possible that Moutier can at least go up a level. I don't think you can hide – Hardaway, you definitely can't hide Hardaway and Moutier's defense together, but I think you might have a better ability um, to hide Moutier's when you also consider the financial repercussions of it. So that's—I I don't know—where where do you stand on that?
0: Um, like to me, like any player in the NBA, it all comes down to it all comes down to cost, and that's why, like you know, I know people are very quick up, quick quick to give up on Moutier. And I get it because like his ceiling his ceiling is not that high as long as his defense is what it is and his jump shot remains, you know, to say it's inconsistent would be a compliment. But I like to me, who out there is paying Emmanuel Moutier more than more than that, more than like the room exception? Um I could see some team giving him their biannual, which is like what, three point mm-hmm. something, right? Um but like, I don't know. I I, I could I, I don't know that he has another step up, but more than anything, like for the reasons you just said about when he's in the game, to me it's like there's a lack of ball movement a lot of the time. And, like, his deficiencies on defense are, are like, loud and clear. I don't know. I'm starting to really go towards the side of if you can just get rid of that contract. Um, it might be the way to go. Um, all right, any other takeaways from this game before we, I guess, do a quick look ahead to Thursday?
1: I think the one thing is, and this is a much bigger conversation because it was only one game, I went into this pre-trade deadline period that we have not staunchly opposed, but preferring that the Knicks don't trade Vonley just because I, I do want to see what he's like with Porzingis assuming KP does come back. Then he has games like today where you kind of think to yourself, you know, you could trade him. I, I highly doubt they'd get a first-round pick for him. But if you can get that guy on a on a team and th- that's an actual postseason contender, um, one that either wants to stop Giannis or even the Bucks if they want to say, like, hey, what's the best way to neutralize someone who would stop us? Yeah. Get the guy who would stop him. But, you know, I, I want to keep him, and yet there are times where I wonder if he's not going to be re-signed if he's not going to be a consistent player moving forward, if you don't have his bird rights, is it worth it to go over the cap? Or not so much go over the cap, but is it worth it to take up cap space? And I know Durant plays a huge part in that and any other free agents, but it, I'm curious your thoughts because it's something that I'm starting to lean more towards. Hey, if if the right trade is there, just take it and don't look back.
0: Well, let's be absolutely clear about this. The Knicks, because he was signed, I think I think it's by virtue of the fact that they signed him to a non-guaranteed contract. The most they could offer him is, I want to say, 120% of his current salary, which is, again, I believe, a minimum contract. So he has priced himself out of what the Knicks can give to him without using cap space. So if you consider that, and then that means basically that they have no advantage over any other team to resign him, whether they trade him or they don't trade him. It's like, yeah, I mean, I guess there's the cost of, if you trade him away, like might there be some, I don't know, some like hurt feelings like we, that like, Oh, you know, you've been traded away several times. And like, you thought maybe now here you'd found a home and we're just going to turn around and trade you again. But if you could get a first round pick for him, and I'm not saying they can, I don't think they can, but if they could, listen, you tell the guy on his way out the door, listen, we're going to come knocking on your door first thing, July 1st. We want you back here. We just needed to do this, you know, for the right, like, it, it was the right decision for us in building this team. Um, now, obviously, the tough decision is like the question you asked me, I want to say it was a month or a month and a half ago. If Orlando offers their uh, what is it the 34th or 37th pick in the draft, whatever it's going to wind up being, like do you do you do that? That's where it gets tough. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that question, but I I am not gonna. I think I think teams will want him, and I think someone will absolutely give up an early second round pick to get him. Because um, today aside, where he was, you know, not great, but it's still okay. Um, he's been good. Uh, all right, so we have the Wizards um, coming in. Well, not coming in. Who Actually, whose home game is this? I don't even know on Thursday. It's the Knicks. It's the Knicks home game? Yeah. That sucks. Um, thought maybe we'd get lucky and be a Wizards home game. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Wizards have been playing better of late, um, coincidentally, uh, since John Wall went down. Um, is there anything that we have to... Look forward to – the Wizards, by the way, today lost a double overtime heartbreaker to the Raptors, 140-138. to 138. My goodness. I'm just looking at that box score right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Bradley Beale had 43 points in that game. My goodness. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's – I don't know who's going to be used to stop him. He played 55 minutes and it doesn't even matter because they have like –
0: They have three days off, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. Thomas Bryant has been playing – Pretty well. Very well. Ariza, yeah. 20, I'm just looking right now. Twenty-three, nine and ten. They've, as you said, they've been playing much better. I personally am not surprised because a lot of the advanced statistics were more skewed towards them playing better with John Wall off the floor, yeah, than on. And even yeah, so I'm not too confident because this isn't the Wizards team that we've seen in the past. But you know, I, I they're they're just yeah. <laughs> They are who they are, and I know that doesn't seem like a great reasoning, but they they seem to be much better now that Beal is becoming more of a primary ball handler, and I guess that's that's really what it comes down to.
0: No, I I, you know, it's uh, the NBA is a funny game. Um, Sometimes less really can be more, and like it's clear as day that you know John Wall has had some. You know, interesting um, interactions with teammates over the last few years. So, um, I do not think Thursday is going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just noticing Beal had 43 points today, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds, um, and to go with three steals and two blocks. I, I'm going to have to do a a player uh, player game finder and Basketball Reference after we get off, but I can't imagine there are too many stat lines in NBA history like that. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Here's what I – this is my last thing I'm going to say. Whether Tim Hardaway Jr. is back or not, I do not want to see him uh, open the game guarding Bradley Beal on Thursday.
1: Yeah, you're telling me. That would be a nightmare.
0: No, it would. Um, All right, Jeremy, anything you want to plug or promote before we go? Uh,
1: Yeah, Gotham Sports Network will have a podcast out tomorrow, I believe. I think we're recording after the football game tonight. So – I will plug that,
0: and that is a that is a wonderful plug
1: <laughs> well thank you. It's well done uh all right. you've got you got a good podcast that's coming up right
0: um yeah so um we we have a couple podcasts coming up this week um with some fun guests that i i always leave everybody hanging, but yeah, we have some fun guests coming up this week that I think people will enjoy, and uh yeah. That's it. Nick's have three days off. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I think Spend time hard. with your family. I was about to say, it's probably spent time with my family who, who are waiting patiently for me in the other room. Um, all right, Jeremy, thank you for coming on on a Sunday afternoon. I appreciate it. Um, you are awesome. Don't get grounded again. Um, cookies are high in sugar. Um, they're bad for you. Don't steal the cookies. Thank you. Anytime. And uh, of course, out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Uh, We will be back with you soon. But um, have a great week. And yeah.